Hi, everybody. This is your host, Nathaniel Lockhart of the Memory Machine Podcast. I just wanted to leap in here real quick before we get on with the proceedings. Just a couple little bits of housekeeping. One of the things is uh, I... Okay, how, how do I put this? I was experimenting capturing some of the sound of my records in attempt to sort of preserve some of uh, those things which have not been released in a digital format. And in doing so, I upped the uh, quality on my recorder to be extra high. And I did not put it back down when I was done for this next podcast. So uh, what happened was the higher quality at podcast length began to eat into my SD card more than I realized. So at about an hour into recording this podcast, an hour and a half into recording this podcast, I look down and realize, uh-oh, it isn't recording. Uh, how long has that been happening? And uh, I had to apologize to my fellow co-hosts. And we went back. Uh, to I went back on the SD card to see what had happened. And lo and behold, it quit recording our podcast at about an hour in. Um, because I ate through all of the SD card with these super high quality, unnecessarily high quality podcast recordings. So, uh, yeah, apologies. Um, so that's one of the reasons why this has been such a consternation to put together um, in part of the delay of this. The other thing that uh, delayed this podcast and will delay for a, another a longer period of time is that uh well let's see uh my wife is currently pregnant and we will have a baby daughter here in just a couple weeks uh, possibly sooner so uh with that being said i'm going to be taking a bit of a uh, paternal absence from the podcast for a little bit um i'll probably stop working on this sucker for maybe about a month month and a half maybe um and at that point, I'll try to get some recordings together and, and beef some stuff up. So, uh, you know, so I have some stuff to put out. So, uh, oh, I, I hope to be back. I hope to be back at it with this podcast in about six weeks. So, but uh, you know, we'll play it by ear. We'll see. That might be wishful thinking. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah. So, just want to give you all a heads up that uh, this the show will be taking a bit of a hiatus. So, anyway, thank you all for your patience. Thank you again for listening. And uh, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Memory Machine Podcast. 
a historical, pop-cultural, anecdotal podcast, a spoke on the many bespoked wheel of the Geekiverse Media Network. My name is Nathaniel Lockhart, I'm your host for today, and uh, today we're going to be doing part two of Godzilla. Um, frankly, this was very hard for me to contain to one podcast. I think I could speak for everyone here, all my guests with me, who have all returned for a second time, that this is like one of our big pop culture passions, and it's very difficult to contain ourselves. So if you're someone who is not interested at all in Godzilla, keep in mind I could have easily, easily done, I think, four or five of these. Oh, yeah. Just recapping. So the fact that I'm keeping it to two, count your lucky stars. Um, it could have easily been more. Many, many more. <laughs> uh, Aaron, I think you feel the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could have. Well, how could we have split it up? We could have probably done one on the Showa era, one on the one. Heisei. Yeah, and first, then, first half Showa, second half Showa, Heisei, Millennium, and everything after that. No, oh, I, boy. I, no, I like that idea because like maybe first half Showa could have been like some of those just solo monster movies like Mothra, Varan, mm-hmm. Rodan, yeah. or the Gargantuas, and mm-hmm. then gotten into like the, you know, when Godzilla was really just every year a new one was coming out. Yeah. And heck, I mean, you could even do another podcast just talking about things like the Godzilla Hanna-Barbera cartoon, oh, yeah. the Godzilla 98 cartoon, and mm-hmm. like all the animated properties, you know. Then the comics you've got oh, from the Marvel, comics. the Dark Horse run, IDW's guys, run. Guys, we're up to seven episodes, Yep, man. okay, that's fine by me. <laughs> A MonsterVerse episode. Goodness gracious. Um, and but, the YouTube series. YouTube series. What is that called? Godzilla Island? Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that there's Japan? Like really, Wasn't there's that... like a lot of um, profanity. and. Okay, I'm thinking of something completely different then. Oh, uh, the one that you showed me. Yeah. It's I like a fan thing. It. Yeah, it's like Happy Days, but like Godzilla. <laughs> wow. That's, that's different. <laughs> Not the crossover I expected. But it's the crossover I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, what's it called again i can't think of it right now well uh, good great and good uh glad you're here aaron (laughs) Uh, anyway sorry so uh yeah the other people who i didn't mention you guys my my guest this week across the room from me is jeff pavlock jeff pavlock hi how are you doing good man glad to be back ready to talk about the big g always all right aaron introduce yourself okay i'm aaron lockhart okay good I'm Nate's brother. Cool. And you know a lot about Godzilla. Don't bury the lead. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I know I know a lot about Godzilla. Yeah. But I've been watching since I was three. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Recruitment yeah. for this episode was selective. Yes. Nate only brought in the very best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. This is the elite team, the elite squadron of Godzilla. Um, so when we last left off with uh, Godzilla films, it was the late 1970s. Things were not going so hot. Ticket sales kept declining in Japan. Um, and there was kind of, the Godzilla movies were getting eclipsed by these more sophisticated effects films, notably in Japan, it was a movie called the submersion of Japan, which really kind of raised the bar for effects films in that country. And so that, by that point, Godzilla kind of seemed cheap and, and kind of overdone. And in America, uh, it was sort of a one-two punch of Godzilla being overexposed on, uh, like, UHF stations. Like, for instance, um, 
WUHF, which is uh, which used to be the Rochester Independent Station, for the introduction of their creature feature, they just used clips of Godzilla King of the Monsters. And it was like, welcome to Creature Feature on Fox Rochester. Um, or it wasn't Fox Rochester then. It was just WUHF Rochester. Um, that was before uh, Fox bought them. But uh, yeah, so in America, it was this is a cheap, cheesy thing with bad dubbing and bad special effects. And uh, also, Star Wars is amazing. Why doesn't Godzilla look like Star Wars? Look as good as Star Wars does. And uh, yeah, it uh, fell off by the wayside. There uh, was a point where like like American movie special effects bypassed because they were kind of the same for a while. Like, you know, you had 1976 King Kong. That was yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But sure I think was. it was like around the eighties where they started to drift away from each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in 19, in the 1976 Kong, you can see some sophisticated mask work being done. Like, you know, Godzilla sure. or King Kong being able to like blow dry Jessica Lang. And then, uh, like, just his roars, he could articulate roars, and, and that's something that they hadn't done with Godzilla, you know? He was still very stiff-faced. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And, and I mean, because of this, it was sort of like the snake eating its own tail, that since Japanese movies weren't, you know, making as much money, the budgets shrank. So then they looked even worse when stacked up against bigger budgeted effects films, and then in Japan, you know, they were importing more and more films, and the import films were getting more popular, and it just, uh, yeah, it just, it just disintegrated. I mean, it wasn't like Toho even said, like, okay, Terror Mechagodzilla, and then we're all done. We're putting the kibosh on these. It was just like uh, Toho was sort of in a position, of like, well, we we could, but I don't know, why would we make another one of these? Like, let's 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 cool it. That was kind of the, the attitude, and and there were plans. Um, in the late seventies, um, I don't know. Have you guys seen the documentary, uh, electric boogaloo about Canon films? I have not. No. Uh, what Canon films did in the eighties is they would just sort of make posters and logos and put them out there just to see if it could generate interest. Uh, notably it, uh, one of the infamous examples is the Canon films version of Spider-Man that never happened. They filmed like a little 30 second reel of like a Spider-Man guy walking around and a big logo, but it never got past that. Um, Toho did that a lot with Godzilla. They shopped around one called Godzilla versus Bagan. Oh, yeah. Um, Was a title that they kind of pushed around just to see if there was any interest. And then there wasn't. And um, there were a couple other titles that. That they kind of put one was like Godzilla versus Godzilla, where like Godzilla fights a ghost version of himself. Um, it, wasn't Bagan in Super Godzilla that SNES game? Yes, right, yes, he was. Wow, and, good poll. I then, had forgotten that. And then I think like Godzilla versus Ghost Godzilla was brought up in like the cutting room a couple different times in the future. Then I think that was one of the early concepts for Godzilla versus Destroya, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Yeah, they yeah. do like to return to their ideas. I think even Bagan was in like. Uh, Rebirth of Mothra movie. Yeah, you know what? I think that's right. And then what they ended up doing was they thought, well, this is a brand new monster. Let's bring in something more recognizable. And that's how we got like Grand King Ghidorah. Basically, Um, the the second Ghidorah in that trilogy. I think that's right. Interesting. Interesting. 
Although, interestingly, you could argue that, like, Ghost Godzilla was eventually the the blueprint for GMK's Godzilla. That's true. In a way. That's very true. I, I can see that. Sometimes they do kind of, you know, turn, you know, tail around to some of their older ideas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, they talked about, like, I mean, they were talking about having Godzilla Jr. possessed by the spirit of the original 54, Gojira, like, in Godzilla vs. Destroya. And then yeah. they kind of used that idea with uh, Kiryu. I hate saying that name, but I, I agree. Know. I think it's Hammond. a silly, it's a silly name yeah. for Mechagodzilla. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, there were these ideas. There was one notable idea. Um, I forget the name of the guy who was workshopping it, uh, but the plan it was in the early '80s. And they were going to do a movie, a new movie called Godzilla, the King of the Monsters in 3D. And, you know, they were, they were shopping around kind of, I mean, there was going to be an American version. So his idea was very like, uh, it's a dragon that <laughs> destroys the city with fire breath. Um, Not even atomic breath, huh? Just, no, just, just fire. Just fire breath. Because that was the American conception. It was right. like, oh, he breathes fire. That's what Godzilla does. Yeah. Um, wrong. Yeah, right. Very wrong. I mean, to us Godzilla aficionado, aficionados, we know much better. Um, and he estimated his costs were going to be about like $25 million to make this film. Which in those days was a bit bigger of a sum. Yeah, that's a that's a big amount back then. Yeah, I mean now you you scoff at oh, that. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that's like that's what like romantic comedies are made with, and but they said like no, there's no way. Like why would we? This this is something that people make. Why would we put this much money into something people make fun of currently? And they said like, well, if you could make it for five million, maybe we'd do it. But could you imagine a Godzilla film made that cheaply? <laughs> Um, yeah i don't even know how you would do that back then and my guess would be uh a uh like oh wait are you 10 million bc route where you like you glue uh the dorsal fins on iguanas i was gonna say you being serious because isn't that that five million back then seems like a pretty big budget for some of like the like yeah but if you're gonna do like an effects film okay like that that's a lot of money yeah you know even back then although we're gonna find out that uh, that the Heisei movies were made on very on on not too large of budgets, right. not really small, but not really big either. Um, so that that idea was kind of put down. Uh, Toho wanted to do something big for Godzilla's anniversary coming in 1984. Hi, this is Future Nate jumping in here real quick uh, because I didn't get to say all I wanted to say about where Toho was at at the time that they were considering making uh, the return of Godzilla or Godzilla 1985, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, so, so I, I think I was just not looking at my at my notes when I was talking about this. I don't know what happened, but it slipped my mind. Anyways, um, it wasn't just that Toho decided out of the blue, you know, it wasn't just a happenstance of anniversaries. You know, they didn't just look and say, well, Godzilla's 30 years old. Maybe we should invest a lot of money and make a new one. No, there was more to it than that. Um, first of all, uh, in an attempt to stay relevant in a changing market, Toho bought the rights to distribute Disney films in Japan. Uh, that was a good investment for them. It paid off big time. They 
re-released a lot of old Disney movies and in uh, single and double feature format. And re-releasing those old movies gave them an idea to release some of their older movies. And, you know, what were big hits? Well, the old Godzilla movies. So they were re-released those as well to similarly good returns. And uh, so it wasn't just a happenstance of anniversaries. It was that a little bit, but also the fact that they had been having success re-releasing older popular Godzilla movies that spurned them to... Uh, to, to create this wonderful new movie. So yeah, anyway, just wanted to get that out of the way because it was really bothering me that I hadn't said it during the recording. So there you go. Thanks. Yeah, it was, their to- it was uh, Godzilla's 30th anniversary. And, you know, with uh, genre films kind of getting a big push, you know, Jaws was a big thing. It continued to be a big thing. Uh things like gremlins coming into the scene kind of inside of the idea of like, well, maybe what if we redid Godzilla, but we did him in a more sophisticated way. And Japan was open to that idea more so than America was in in their attempts to to start it. And lo and behold, we have uh, Godzilla 1985, or I'm sorry, Godzilla, uh, uh, Return of Godzilla? Is that what yeah. we call it officially? Yeah, that's the Japanese yeah. version. Although the original title in Japan is just Gojira, correct? Am I right on that? I'm not 100% uh, on that. Uh, yeah. We want to check this out real quick? Let, let me check the source. Folks, I have a book called <laughs> A Critical History and Filmography of Toho's Godzilla Series by uh, David Collat. And it has been an indispensable resource for me for this podcast. It, it goes very deep. It goes into um, all sorts of uh, neat behind-the-scenes things about uh, how these movies were made. And not only that, but it does some interesting analysis uh, about the themes of the movies and what it says about the people who made them. Nate, it appears you were correct. It was released in Japan simply as Godzilla or Gojira. Return of Godzilla was eventually kind of the tagline that went with it i think return of godzilla was the title given for um its uk release uh because it was because toho did double dub it in english they did an official toho version in english and that did see uh, the light of day in the uk in theaters so uk got it before america then yes i see interesting um and, uh, yeah, so what do we think about Godzilla 1985? Godz- well, I'm sorry, Return of Godzilla. We'll talk about Godzilla 1985. I have some things to say about that version. Well, I, I will say I love that suit design. I think it's a shame that that design was never used in anything then, whether yes. a movie or even, like, in a comic book or on the cover of one of the novels. I, I love the face, especially the fangs, the more feral mouth. Yeah. His he- eyes are more just fearsome looking. He can snarl. Yes. His, his upper his, lip curls. Yep, his lip and his nose kind of twitches a few times. Like He's very bestial, yeah. I feel like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that movie is like, uh, they like go back to the whole horror roots of it. Definitely. I, mean, I, love, I love the um, scene when he comes on land and it's in the fog. Yes. And you like, like the birds fly away and it's kind of in an area where there aren't that many people except a few, you know, in this, uh, what laboratory, I think it's like a nuclear lab or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And this one guy sees him and it's just, I love that tension, that, that like dread. Absolutely. 
I, I, it's definitely the most cinematic a Godzilla movie has been in quite some time. Um, definitely more so than, you know, I think honestly, since probably the original, um, there's a lot of atmosphere, atmospheric shots, um, lots of shots to really show Godzilla's scale and his relation to people. It isn't just like, here's a composite shot of Godzilla way in the background and people running up front. Uh, they do a lot of, uh, a lot of more intricate composite shots. I do love the, um, the way it brings sort of the nuclear issue back to the forefront, uh, and how the Americans and the Soviets are sort of fighting, like, please, please, please let us drop a nuke on you again <laughs> and to kill Godzilla. And, uh, you know, it, it reopens that question. It doesn't really have easy answers. I mean, the answer in the movie is, uh, let's create the super X, which right. is not something that really exists, but you know, um, yeah. It always felt like a good modernization at that time, a modernization of, you know, the overall concept from 1954 film. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it took that, you know, that, that question or debate on, the power and the technology that humans wield and then what kind of ramifications you can come for it specifically the ramifications that nature will deliver to us from it because mm -hmm. all of our all of our handiwork will eventually shape nature and then nature is going to have a response to that and in these films it's godzilla right right um and it's not at least in the um in Return to Godzilla, in that version of the film, it's not quite as spelled out for you, I don't think, as it is in the 85 version. Because in the 85 version, Raymond Burr just does a little speech at the end, which <laughs> is just like, oh yeah, that's the whole point of the movie summarized in five sentences. Yeah, um, it's very yeah. On, it's very on the nose. <laughs> yes, very on the nose. Um, but uh, I, I did really like um, them bringing that back. Yeah. Aaron, anything else? Um, well, the two versions are pretty different. Yes. Like between the American version and the Japanese version. I especially that scene where the the Russian sub is kind of going down and and the captain is reaching yes. up to like like he okay, so in the Japanese version the uh the nuke that is hovering in space is automatically triggered to yeah. point to japan and he's trying to stop it he's struggling he's like been injured and he's trying to stop it but in the american version he's struggling to deliberately launch send it so yes yeah. <laughs> so then the americans like are heroically save the day Right. Yeah. Uh, there's right. definitely a lot of cuts like that in the American version. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Toho was really proud of this, like because the movie made a lot in Japan. Like they made a lot of money on it, so they're shopping it around to American studios, and they want five million for the rights to produce an English, an American version of this, and nobody wants to i think the the one that came closest was uh like paramount said we'll give you two million dollars for this 
Um, and they were still like, no, like we know what this is worth. Like don't, don't undersell us here. And, uh, but yeah, nobody wanted it. Um, wow. Eventually it went to Schlockmeisters of new <laughs> world pictures, which, yeah, I don't think it was owned by Roger Corman at this time. It was owned by, uh, another couple of producers who had purchased the company. Um, and uh, so they were looking for some new things to to put out there. It had been a while since New World really had a hit. They had done, you know, most of the early 80s were things like, uh, let's see, Battle Beyond the Stars, which was a Star Wars ripoff that uh, stole the plot of Seven Samurai. Um, There's one called Humanoids of the Deep. Oh, God, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Um, Wasn't uh, Doug McClure in that? I think so. I, I, that that could very well be Doug, Doug McClure, was. the namesake for Troy McClure. Um, you might remember me from such films as Dial M for murderousness. Um, anyone? Yeah, Simpsons. No. Yeah, dang it. I remember Dial M for monkey. Oh, there you go. Oh, for <laughs> Dexter's Lab. Yeah, that's something completely different. But yes. that's what's jogging my memory yeah. right now. Well, there you go. Um, but uh, but they wanted something you know big that they could they could lead with, and so they started talking to Toho, and they said, "Hey, we can uh, we can release your film. We could even probably tie it into the old Raymond Burr one, which honestly Toho was excited about because they were like, oh, that's cool. Like you know, that's something way to, that's a way to make it special for America, um, and it also give us a bit of that Hollywood edge, you know, since especially Toho was struggling to compete with Hollywood films." Um, that appealed to them. So New World didn't pay five million for it. For it, what did they pay? They paid five hundred thousand for it. Oh wow! They, because at this point Toho was out of options. Yeah. And at this point, it was take that or nothing. Right. And uh, they said, "Well, that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess. I guess this is it." So. They bought that film for $500,000, uh, which is a paltry sum. And they added some new footage. Uh, the script was originally um, more uh, humorous and farcical than what it ended up being, especially after Raymond Burr came in, because Raymond Burr honestly took Godzilla very seriously. That's cool to hear. And he was actually very proud of having been a part of Godzilla King of the Monsters, and he understood its um, somber metaphor for the the atomic bomb. Um, And so he demanded rewrites on it. He's like, look, I'm not going to do this unless you take this seriously. Like, Godzilla's serious, which is awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. that That he saw that, and he probably saved the American adaption from being worse. Um, in fact, I read in this book that he had um, that the final speech that he gives about you know the importance of Godzilla. Uh, he wrote that. He wrote that himself uh, wow. to to try to get that across. Now there are still some remnants of this goofiness, like still in it. Like for instance, uh, there's a, a scene where the American general is watching uh, footage of the original '54 Godzilla. You know, and it's. Um, and he's viewing footage of, of destruction and he mutters to himself like, huh, it's a hell of an urban renewal program. And you're like, just stupid quips. Like, yeah, who needs this? Especially when you compare it to 
the completely straight-faced Japanese footage. It right. just doesn't work. Also, there's Dr. Pepper uh, product <laughs> placement everywhere because that I is one. That. Yeah, New World was really on top of the game when it came to <laughs> product placement. They really were, um, for better or ill, mostly ill. Um, well, I mean, movies got to get made somehow. So sometimes you just got to, you know, swallow your pride and accept it if you want to get a movie made. But anyway, yeah, so for better or ill. They pioneered the use of uh, product placement by putting Dr. Pepper machines everywhere. And um, and this one, Raymond Burr is even more removed from the action than he was in King of the Monsters. I mean, whereas in King of the Monsters, he was on the boat with Dr. Sarazawa. You know, it was... Uh, but in this one, no, he's just in America, in, a, in a, the Pentagon the whole time, just watching things happen. So he's a little bit... He's even less removed. Um but I still think he delivers a good performance. Raymond Burr is still good in Godzilla 1985. But uh, as for the rest of it, eh, not not so much. Right. Not so much they do improve the pacing, I think, even if they cut things so that they don't make sense any longer. Yeah, but some of the stuff they cut, too, is just so depressing. Like the shot of Godzilla seeing his reflection yes. on the building. Like, yes. oh, why would you cut that? That's such a beautiful scene. Yes, that was very dumb. That's a bad scene to cut. Um, and also they cut it so that like the sea louse, you know, the mutated yeah. sea louse um, in Return of Godzilla, that's explained. They tell you like, oh, this is connected because this is they put clues together and they say like, oh, that's that's a louse that was originally on Godzilla when he mutated. So that means he's mutated, too. Whereas in 1985, just like, oh, here's a mutant bug. Yeah. And let's just, forget about that. Just popped up out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's it's much less of a portend that way. Uh, doesn't doesn't work as well. But. That's what made um, that's what made our mom shut off the tape. We, <laughs> I, we had um, we had rented it. I was a little kid. We were still living in East Rochester, so yep. I was maybe six. And we popped it in. We're watching it, and um, the whole sea lice thing happens, and I like yelled, you know, <laughs> I'm a little kid, and it's this really tense scene, and. And I remember mom going, no, no, no. And just like taking the tape out of the VHS. And I wouldn't forget for another 10 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. All because of a sea louse. Yeah. And, and that whole time, I remember thinking, God, this must be such a violent, scary movie. And <laughs> I mean, there's still bits of that, but it's not quite on that level. No, no, no. It's, it's not... Um... It's psycho it is not you know i mean but it still is serious you know it's um it, it takes the subject matter seriously there's you know there's blood you see there's there's a little bit of gore there um you see more injury up close you know than you would in uh in especially more than the other showa films that we had seen up to that point and keep in mind, I mean, when we were kids, Pablo, I'm sure you can agree, uh, attest to this. That's all we had back in the back in those early '90s days. The only examples that we had access to of the Heisei era were Godzilla 1985, yeah. and if you were very lucky, Godzilla versus Biollante, um, which most of us didn't have access to because it was only released on like um, like uh, a short print run from HBO Video, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, but that's how we all saw Return of Godzilla for a long time. 
Um, how did you feel when you finally saw the Japanese version of this? Was it was it a revelation to you? Do you feel like as though you were cheated on? <laughs> like you 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 got uh, you got cheated when, yeah, when to, looking back to an extent. Um, it, it, even though Return of Godzilla is just a dramatically better production than Godzilla nineteen eighty five, yes, I, I don't place it as like one of my all time favorite entries in the series. Agreed. Um, but. So it's not like I, I was oh, offended that it's I'm discovering that this is such a better movie, but I I definitely would agree that it felt like wow I'm watching a completely different production. Yeah, this is like I get now why people do laud this movie as much as they have. Right, right. Um, I mean I don't know about you, Aaron, but I still have like some affection for '85. Like I still I still enjoy going back to it time to time. I have it on Laserdisc, so I can I could watch it that way, and it's kind of it's kind of fun to revisit. But it isn't. I don't. That's not the recommended way to see that that movie. Uh, see Return of Godzilla. It's very good. Um, yeah, I haven't gone back. I haven't. I think it's kind of like King of the Monsters. I haven't gone back and watched the American version since the original was made available. Mm, mm, there um, really isn't any reason to, honestly, at this point, except for just curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And honest, I, you know what, Raymond Burr, like it's worth it for that. He's <laughs> he, good. He's yeah. a great actor. He's like, the bright spot. In yeah, the... uh, he's yeah. kind of. Uh, he reminds me of like um, guys like uh, guys like The Rock or Bella Lugosi. They just kind of uh-huh. elevate every movie they're in. Like even if the movie's terrible, like you could you could be like, well, at least these guys are in it and they're good. <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of the way I feel about eighty five. Um, uh, and, and do look up the original quote uh, or, or the, the scene where Godzilla perishes in 85. In fact, I might play that uh, right now because it's very good. So here's that clip. Nature has a way sometimes of reminding man of just how small he is. She occasionally throws up the terrible offsprings of our pride and carelessness. To remind us of how puny we really are in the face of a tornado, an earthquake, or a Godzilla. The reckless ambitions of man are often dwarfed by their dangerous consequences. For now, Godzilla, that strangely innocent and tragic monster, has gone to Earth. Whether he returns or not, or is never again seen by human eyes, the things he has taught us remain. So, yeah, also uh, the music in Godzilla in 1985 is terrific. I love it. Um, the beginning theme and the ending theme, holy crap, <laughs> it's great. Except it's- I will say in the end, like the end credits of yeah. The Return of Godzilla or the, the Japanese version... They, yeah. you know, there's some there's some like pop song that was yes that's know, so weird <laughs> yeah it's very weird but i know it's very japanese so i try not to like crap on it but at the yeah. same time like why yeah <laughs> do, do you not understand the mood of the film that you were making yeah. especially that ending it, it's kind of like um have you guys ever seen league of their own mm-hmm. no. yeah like, like at the very end of league of their own like there's a Madonna song at the end of it. And you're like, Which doesn't fit whatsoever. What is this? <laughs> like, this used to be a playground. And you're like, why, why, why is this what we're ending on? What a weird. I can only I- assume it's some kind of 
Bollywood type thing. Like, uh, you yeah. know, like some cultures just want to end their movies differently, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and for them, it's just like, well, of course movies end this way. Like, why would they end differently? Do people right. end movies differently? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I'm sure they would probably think the same thing of like how like our Godzilla movies end. And you're like, where's, where's the pop song? <laughs> it's supposed to be a tie in single. <laughs> where's the tie in single? Um, <laughs> But uh, so any but uh, so this movie did really well in Japan. Um, it did okay in the states. Uh, New World made good on their investment; they made money, but they weren't too interested in following up with any further Godzilla productions. Their idea was, well, we exploited this to its extent. Um, we're moving on. Like, <laughs> you know, you guys are making a new one. That's cool, I guess. But we already used Godzilla, so see ya. And the reviews were terrible in the States for Godzilla 1985. Everybody hated it. <laughs> um, uh, Roger Ebert uh, really did not like it. He said that um, the special effects were extremely disappointing and that uh, he was really disappointed that when Godzilla broke buildings that there was nothing inside the buildings. He was just like, these are just big empty buildings that he's taking out. Like, they're just giant, uh... they're just giant cardboard boxes, basically. Um and people still, there was still a big stink in, um, there was still the, like the big stink of like, yeah, these movies are cheap and cheesy. We don't want this. These are so uncool. I mean, I mean, and you remember that, Aaron, like God, I'm sure you do too, Jeff. Of that course. like Godzilla was really uncool. Yeah. Um, especially in the nineties leading up to the 98 Godzilla film, like. It was not a cool thing to like. It was not. Um, I mean, now like Godzilla's awesome. Everybody loves it. Everybody even loves the old films now. Like they're totally cool with them. Like even if um, even if it's not their cup of tea, they're just like, I've still it's still cool they exist. Most yeah. people have that opinion of it, but back then that was not the case. I think that there was just such a dramatic stride in special effects for Western produced films at that yes. time that it really it just it felt like Godzilla was just stuck in the past almost, and kaiju films in general almost like when silent films turned to sound you know yeah. everybody like immediately was like right oh those things are terrible especially anybody of like I don't know if you, I, there's no reason any of you would have ever talked to a person of the World War II generation about silent movies but if you ever did, uh-huh. they'd be like silent movies. Those things are garbage. Uh, like no they hate them. They think are the, they think like well, I mean they're almost all dead now. But 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 then they realized like oh yeah those are all terrible old fashioned junk. We don't like those. And now you know especially as silent film aficionados born nineteen sixty or later are like why you. You, by condemning these movies, you doom them to die. Now we don't have any of them, you jerk. Um, luckily, that didn't happen with Godzilla. Um, back then, we were a little bit. I mean, in a by then, we were more savvy about film preservation. Otherwise, it would have been trashed. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, we did not. Uh, Godzilla versus Bylanti did come out in the states, but only on HBO. Uh, it was released directly to television. Uh, but yeah, Godzilla versus Biolanti. So uh, they wanted to do Toho wanted to do something different. They wanted to follow up their big '85 success with revamping the brand and trying out something new. Um, Aaron or Jeff wasn't one of you guys who were saying that like a dentist came up with Biolante? Like, what was the deal there? Yeah, I, I believe there was like a contest to write mm-hmm. the script for the next Godzilla movie, and I believe that the winner was a full time dentist. 
hmm. who wrote who had you know the original concept or blueprint for the script that eventually got made into the movie then in japan yeah kids don't give up on your dreams no not at all yeah man um so yeah godzilla versus Biolanti. um i in, in david collat's book i was reading that um it's an interesting diversion for the Godzilla series in terms of how it treats scientists and science. Uh, in most of the Godzilla movies up to that point, if not all of them, scientists were kind of seen as like the ultimate good guys who were not swayed by politics or business interests. They only wanted to seek the truth and perform the, the good, perform ultimate good. Whereas in uh i mean that that's sort of the the utopian ideal that ishiro honda had for science um and which honestly was a very popular ideal in the 60s you know it was the space age yeah um everybody kind of had the idea that science would kind of solve our, all our problems and everything and, and theoretically it still could uh <laughs> you know um yeah it was, it was in, more like the military that was kind of like demonized yes as like the antagonist right. military was demonized nationalism was yes. demonized um uh politics was demonized yeah business was demonized but not science right um in this one science is corrupted by nationalism by politics by business um aaron you saw this film very recently can you attest to that uh i do yeah what what did you think of it do you think it was handled well in that film do you think it was clumsy the corruption of science sure i mean do you think that's like that's a fair assessment of the film i'm asking you because i haven't seen it in forever so i don't want to talk out of turn you know i would say so i mean the the main character i forget his name i mean i don't know the names of anybody in any godzilla film no who does but (laughs) but i mean yeah he is kind of seen as this sort of tragic uh protagonist Hmm. I mean, he, he has a lot of people um, kind of breathing down his neck a little bit hmm. between the military. And um, I think there's like, there's like a different country or something like Sarabia or something. They make up another country. Yeah, and, there's, uh, yeah there's definitely like those eco-terrorists or just terrorist organization in yeah. general. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, they're after hit like uh, whatever he's creating. And yeah, he's very much seen as as somebody who i don't know he, it's it's uh he's a lot of people after him mm. so he's he's definitely not portrayed as a villain or or antagonist in any way mm-hmm. plus um, his, his daughter dies at the beginning oh then, yeah i forgot about that part of for the whatever reason he decides to like inject her blood into a plant <laughs> and then godzilla cells Huh. Not sure why. I mean, in a way, like he's also kind of um, he didn't make a great decision there. <laughs> it's almost like um, a more tragic for like um, a Doctor Frankenstein, yeah. Who instead of like being burdened by hubris, he's burdened by out more outside sources, perhaps, or maybe there's hubris in there too. It sounds like. Um, do you are you an anime fan by any chance, Nate or Aaron? uh ish eh. okay i was gonna say i was getting by from full metal alchemist for oh this. interesting dr uh, shaw tucker 
And Aaron, this is why we got to have Peter on the podcast sometime. <laughs> our, our, our other brother, Peter, is a huge anime nut. Gotcha. And he, like, Full Metal Alchemist is, like, one Pro- of his great loves. He would probably, yeah, he probably yeah. knew exactly what I was referencing yeah, just now if he not. was here. Yeah. Maybe we can get him out to uh, Nickel City Con. Ah. That would be fun. Aaron, you coming out to Nickel City Con this year? Isn't it this weekend? It is. <laughs> no, because then I would be driving to upstate New York three weekends in a row. Oh, yeah, that's gross. You don't want to do that. I'm talking to Pete and Pete, Aaron. I know, I heard. That's so exciting. I feel like we're deviating. We are. (laughs) You know what? We can cut that. (laughs) It's going to be the motto for this whole podcast. We can cut that, you know. We can cut that, you know. Um, Anyway. So, yeah, Godzilla versus Biollante. Oh, we should even talk about the monster. I mean, because with a lot of these other monsters in the Heisei era, it's... Other than, like, I guess, Destroya, there's not much to explain about Space Godzilla, but there's some things to explain about Destroya. But uh, Destroya and Biollante are, like, the only really, like, uh, like real ambitious new creations, I would say, of the series. Biollante being a plant monster, you know? Like, it's even... It seems even crazier than the Smog Monster, you know, Godzilla fighting a giant mutant plant. Um, yeah, and it's menacing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he has a almost even maw. in its rose form, like, even just in its rose form, you're like, oh, God, what's in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you know, it has thorns all over. It has those, like, crazy vines. Um, I was I was reading that just how difficult the special effects were for this movie. I believe it. Because this, first of all, the suit is enormous. Like, it's so big. It's this hulking mass. And then on top of that, you have all these vines, which all have to be coordinated by different, um, uh, by, by different special effects assistants who have these things up on like fishing wire who are like trying or not only like it's one thing to just like move it, but you have to move it in a way that makes it show like it has weight because otherwise it just looks weightless. And so you have to coordinate that with the suit performer who can't really hear or see what you're doing. And it just, it sounds like a nightmare. Um, You thought Ghidorah was tough. (laughs) Gee whiz. Like it just, it looks like a a nightmare and a half. Uh, I was reading that, um, the guy who performed Biolante was saying that usually when he does suit performing, he usually puts about 70% into what of his body into it, just because, you know, these shoots are long and you need to conserve your strength for if you have to do second takes or whatever. Otherwise, you're just going to burn yourself out. And he said for this one, though, because so much had to go right and not only that, it was hard to emote with the suit. Right. He just said, I had to give 100% every take <laughs> and it hurt so much (laughs) and it wouldn't end and uh yeah um the special effects are really impressive and especially when you know that watching it happen you're just like wow this is a this is a special miracle of practical effects happening before my eyes i also think it's kind Mm -hmm. of ironic that biolante is the first the first you know like other kaiju that shows up in the heisei era and she doesn't possess like any beam weaponry she just using her spine or her, like her vines her thorns she has like that acid sap at one point like all of this is like physical up close kind of combat and then from there on out every fight in the heisei era is just a beam war yes <laughs> that's yes. true 
That is very, very, very true. That's um, true. Yeah. So, say, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I, I think Biolanti kind of reflects like that, her creator as well, like mm. the, the tragic protagonist. I mean, he, or I'm sorry, sorry, she, I mean, her, even her, her roar is kind of like this cry and you just, you feel bad for it, you know, <laughs> like it's just, it's this giant, beautiful thing and it only attacks Godzilla because Godzilla attacked it pretty much like it was threatening it. And mm. I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of a sad, a sad entry. That is very Frankenstein-ish. Yeah. The more that we talk about this, I'm definitely getting a Frankenstein vibe. Well, especially not even like the Universal movie, but like the novel, you know, where the monster is sort of like a reflection of its creator in that way. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Someone was a very big Mary Shelley fan, apparently, uh, who wrote that. Um, The Dentist. Oh, I'm sorry. We already talked about the contest. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So Godzilla versus Biolanti ticket sales were not great for it, and I mean obviously it didn't it already didn't really have much uh, appeal to the states. That's why we only got it on HBO. Um, and the pl- a lot of the blame for that goes for its competition uh, in the Japanese box office. Um, Godzilla vs. Biolanti was up against Back to the Future Part 2 ah. and uh, a Batman. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> and, 1989. Uh, it's 1989. Oh, right. uh, uh, was, and, that, was uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade part of that as well? It's close to it. Yeah. And, uh, and UHF was 1989. <laughs> it wasn't really a contender. Yeah. Um, definitely not in Japan, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and so with all those things kind of combined, it just it got lost in the shuffle. Um, and uh, so the next time around, they thought, well, what if we just use a more popular monster? Maybe that'll help. And also, people loved Back to the Future. Oh, Maybe time travels the answer. It all adds <laughs> up now. It's all, I never made the connection. It all yeah. makes sense. And it also makes and it all makes sense too with Godzilla and Moth of the Battle for Earth. Could that because the first half of that movie is just Indiana Jones? Yeah, you know, wow. true. Hey, hey, the Terminator, the re- Terminator kind of illusion mm, in the next because movie. Ter- Terminator Two was nineteen ninety. Yep. So yeah, the, so the um, wow. so the assumption was like, well, let's just like take on more <laughs> Hollywood stuff. Like, what if we act in more like Hollywood? Let's just ape these things and put that into Godzilla and uh it works for me yeah i mean honestly like i i was re- as i was reading the book i forgot how convoluted the plot is for godzilla versus king Ghidorah. oh it's ridiculous <laughs> and how like it doesn't even follow its own rules of time travel it's nuts um but um which is whatever because uh, I, you, unless like you're really meticulous you tend to run into those problems with time travel movies um you run into a lot of problems. That's why Futurama only did it like once or twice. You're just like, guys, we can't do this again. Cause you know, but yeah, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is, um, it's, it's, uh, it's really fun. If, if you're looking for a goofy fun, like goofy sci-fi fun, uh, King Ghidorah has it in spades. I would say. <laughs> well, before Androids, we get, yeah, well, go ahead. Before we get too far into that, like, yeah, I, I do want to make a point. Like, with the Heisei era, like uh-huh. you actually really have this story continuation happening. Yes, that's true. Like, um, 
like they all feel like it's still the same world. Yeah. And uh, in Godzilla versus Biolanti, um, two of the main characters are having dinner in this high rise building that Godzilla had put his claw through, but they like rebuilt around it. Huh. And there's like, there's like a window in the claw imprint. So it looks almost like it's in, it's a memorial. So they're eating dinner in this fancy restaurant next to this Godzilla memorial, you know? So you have a, all this world building going on Jeez. in that movie. And they actually feel like it's part of the same universe. So I, I don't know. I really appreciate that about the Heisei era. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me, me, yes. It, more so than the millennium, especially the millennium, but also more so than the show. I think you're right. Whereas the continuity is very disconnected in the show era. If there's any, yeah. in it, the Heisei, it feels more like a concerted effort. Yeah, because then Godzilla versus Biollante is the first appearance of Mickey, Segusa, oh, that yeah. shows up in just about oh, every following yeah. entry, and is a major character throughout the rest of the Heisei era yeah. movies. Then, uh-huh. man, it's Mickey. all it's all coming together. <laughs> Dang, yeah, it's a lot more cohesive. Than it the is, show up. Uh, yeah. No matter what kind of crazy crap goes on in the other movies. Oh, and there's yeah. a lot of it, but yeah. no, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is just like. Like it has like that weird. Would you say it's anti-American? I don't think it is. I don't really it's know. Not... We talked about this on the last episode. I'm yeah. not a big fan of the movie. Yeah, so I don't really know how to uh, describe uh, it. Honestly, like after reading, rereading it, and seeing it's like um, rereading the synopsis and rereading some reviews of it, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I can see why you might not like that one." <laughs> like it's, I like it because I like the goofiness of it, um, the goofiness of its plot. I love like. Uh, the idea, because, um, like, a big part of the story is, like, uh, it's, like, Godzilla comes from the Godzilla-saurus, right? Yes. And he, and the reason he turns into Godzilla is because Godzilla-saurus was on, like, one of the atolls that had nuclear testing on it, and so he turned into Godzilla. But, like, there was a guy there who uh, was still fighting the war for Japan even after it had ended, Right? Yes. Is that it? Yeah. No, no, you're getting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And and I do love that that aspect about it that it kind of brings history into it and kind of a as a history nerd like myself, like I've I take great joy in that. Uh because that did happen where where there were Japanese soldiers isolated on islands who never got the word that the war was over, or if they did, they refused to believe it. Right. So they kept fighting it. Um, even it's, I think there was, uh, one guy who was fighting it into the seventies who just wouldn't let wow. go. Um, that's kind of neat. Uh, the idea that Ghidorah comes from these cute little aliens called Dorats. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, definitely a gremlins vibe there too. I feel like. Yes. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. Oh my God. All these connections to like. America. Yeah. No, that one I just made up on the spot. No, I'm, I'm feeling it too. <laughs> No, that, you know, that makes sense because Gremlins 2 came out in 1990. Right, no, like, yeah. and just no. to Aaron's point, like, yeah, like, some of these are all starting to dawn on me for the first time, too, yeah. so it's yeah. just mind-blown. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I saw these first, you know? Like, uh, yeah, no, me too. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> in a lot of cases. Uh-huh. I didn't watch Terminator until, like, three years ago. <laughs> yeah, right, so, yeah. Like, yeah. Same with me. I still haven't even seen Terminator 2. I've only seen Terminator 1. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, Nate, come I on. I know, I know. Faux pas, man. Faux pas. That's on. That's on my list of. <laughs> that's on my list of never scenes with um 
let's see what else I've never seen The Matrix I've never seen uh, The Godfather I've never seen Titanic you said the original hey. Alien last time yeah I've never seen Alien after we hey, were done recording I was like, what hey you know what I have seen uh, Confessions right. of an Opium Eater have any of you seen that no yeah, there you go. I'm sure you're real proud uh, of it yeah <laughs> I, I think uh, one, of, one of my friends brought that. I was like, man, you, all these movies you haven't seen. I'm like, okay, for one movie you think I should have seen, I bet I could name three movies I've seen that you've never heard of. <laughs> and so, True. yeah. You could have named a lot more than three, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I don't, but, I do, I don't know. I like the plot in Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. I yeah. mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, we got to remove Godzilla so that Godzilla doesn't happen. <laughs> and then the present, King Ghidorah's there. And then King Ghidorah is such a threat. We got to bring Godzilla back. So they bring Godzilla back. But then it's like, oh, God, Godzilla's back. And King <laughs> Ghidorah's dead. So now we got to bring out Mecha King Ghidorah and just end it. And then they do. And it's great. Yeah. And like, Mecha King Ghidorah is awesome. I love how that, that girl, the only. Um, the Japanese uh, one? Only ja- yeah, the Japanese girl from yeah. the future. I love how she comes back and she's piloting Mecha King Ghidorah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, and, and like the reason and like the aliens do that, or not they're not aliens, the future people do that. Like the reason why like they get rid of Godzilla to bring King Ghidorah instead is because like, oh, we want to ruin Japan because Japan's too successful. So yeah. so we have to destroy Japan. And that way, you know, we'll be super powerful instead. And it's, I mean, but it's, but it, the, the great thing about it is like America was so anti Japan at the time. Like they were so, they were like, oh, Japan's making all the good cars and they're making all the video games and all that kind of stuff. So honestly, America, you had it coming. <laughs> um, honestly, yeah, I think yeah. there definitely isn't an anti American. I mean, the villains are American. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Distinctly English speaking white yeah. people. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think the Godzilla Saurus takes out a bunch of American soldiers. Yeah. To, like, he oh, yeah. saves the Japanese yeah. soldiers. He from the saves American the troops. Japanese soldiers right. by just dis- by uh destroying like uh killing all the GIs, like yeah. the American GIs. Um it's a and and as someone who is a history nut and who graduated with a degree in intercultural studies that fascinates me like that is endless like to see that perspective like one that we don't often have access to um is really intriguing to me i i mean i mean i don't know no. how i feel about like japanese people like still um honoring or still like uh turning axis soldiers into heroes i don't know how i feel about that yeah that's kind of like how i feel when people whenever people venerate like confederate soldiers I'm like right. dude uh, they were yeah. bad people and they fought for bad causes right but um, it is it is an interesting if not just different perspective because how many like what other countries out there have their their art really international on like a global scale aside from like American Hollywood and some Western European countries, Mm -hmm. you know, Japan's really one of the few nations outside of America or Western nations that it's art goes global. It's kind of mainstream otherwise. Yes. So you get to see a very different perspective that you would never get out of a Western production. Right. Right. I mean, you can even tell like with, with this, that that was sort of like Japan, like Toho raising up their hands, just being like, Screw it, we're making these for Japanese people. Yeah, almost like, at that point. If you like, if Americans see this, then I don't know how they would, but because it's the '90s, <laughs> there's no bootlegging is much harder. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it, it's very clear that this was only really intended for the Japanese audience. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, in those ones, starting with Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, we didn't see them for a long time. We yep. just read about them in our little compendium. Oh, do you remember, Aaron, like longingly looking at those photos and just being like, I can't believe there are five Godzilla <laughs> movies that we don't have access to. Like, yeah, it was agonizing. It kind of was. Yeah. It kind of was. I and mean, then they came out in very quick succession. Yeah. Well, because of the because of uh, the '98 Godzilla movie, yeah, that so, changed. So, yeah, TriStar wanted to capitalize on that, so they got the rights to those other Heisei movies, and then they released them. And I'll, yeah. I'll never forget Sci-Fi Channel showing them from time to time. Oh yeah, like original yeah. Sci-Fi Channel, like yeah. when it was S C I F I. Yeah, back in their ECW days. The purple, yeah, the purple planet logo mst 3 k every saturday morning oh that was the best it was wasn't it that was the best i miss seeing mystery saturday uh, mystery science theater on saturday mornings like it's like saturday mornings and friday nights were like the oh, best time they to were. see that show yeah no it totally was yeah. and like i appreciated that even when i was like eight nine years old like i yeah. wish it, like i wish it was brand new nowadays yeah because like, like you know in my older age where you know, obviously um, much better understanding like i, I feel oh, like yeah. i would have appreciated it even more I, I i still like as i watch episodes like i get more jokes all the time as i get older yeah exactly there's one they did about like uh, we don't need to get deep into MSG3K. That's for another podcast. Oh, just but, the writing, though, is so clever. Uh, by the way, just real quick, um, uh, you know, if you have um, if you have an antenna, we can get uh, Comet TV. You know that? It's a sub-channel on Channel 49. Don't know a thing about it, unfortunately. Um, yeah, if you have an antenna, you could pick up uh, My TV Buffalo, which is um, Channel 49 on the antenna. And it's he has a sub-channel called Comet. And they will show Godzilla movies from time to time. And uh, they also show Mystery Science Theater on Friday nights. Perfect. Uh, yep. At like 8 o'clock at night. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, so, then we get... Uh, so, Toho then, after King Ghidorah, they release a new Godzilla movie a year for five years. Right. Uh, you have uh, Godzilla Mothra the Battle for Earth in 1992. You have, um, oh, I'm jiggling these chords. You have Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 in 1993. You have Godzilla versus Space Godzilla in 94. And then Godzilla versus Destroya in 95. And yeah, they're definitely, as um, Aaron was saying earlier, they're, they're definitely all of one piece. Um, I rewatched Godzilla and Mothra prior to this podcast. Um, I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I loved its heavy handed environmental message, which would have felt more heavy handed. I think maybe five years ago, but because of the hell world we live in now, like Uh, it feels more like, yes, you need to scream it at us (laughs) because apparently we don't get it. Um, well, Mothra has been since 1961. It's very true. Yeah. (laughs) Mothra has always been like against big business <laughs> and like super pro environment and anti-fascist it's pretty great yeah. um, but uh yeah check out mothra the original 1961 mothra it's a great movie it is. i love that movie yeah it's a really good one um and movie was the made-up country yeah Rosilica. yeah that's right that's right yeah <laughs> yeah it's like a mix of the soviet union and america like it's another movie where like america gets you know they stick it to america yeah. Um, for its like, uh, for its pillaging of the earth. Um, 
but yeah, Godzilla Mothra the Battle for Earth was was actually pretty pretty good. I, uh, something that uh, I didn't expect was at the very end when Batra and Mothra are carrying Godzilla off into the sea, and uh, so Batra has like the fur like the top half of Godzilla right, and Mothra's carrying the tail as they carry them off to the sea. And then you're supposed to, and so you think like Godzilla's unconscious, that's why they're doing that. But then like Godzilla comes to all of a sudden and gives like Batra a big bite in the neck. Uh-huh. And and like what I, and I did, could, didn't remember that. I never seen it be like, oh no, what's going to happen? Mothra and Batra just became friends. This can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then there's like the part where like Batra dies, like sacrificing itself, you know, defeat to defeat Godzilla. And it kind of got to me a little bit. It's like, oh no. Well, it's one of the few times it's not Mothra. I know, yeah, right? <laughs> right. Mothra gets to live at the end of it. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Uh, usually you see the adult form of Mothra die either in the beginning or the end of a film. Right. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like that movie quite a bit. I haven't seen Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 in a while. Not since... I was a teenager. I remember it being good. I liked it, from what I remember. Yeah, it's got some interesting scenes. Uh, I, I I always appreciate that first fight with Rodan, because I, I, earlier I mentioned how the Heisei-era movies are just such beam wars. That's yes. one where there's not a lot of beam weaponry. Rodan does not have a beam up to that point, yeah. so it's mostly just an up-close personal fight between him and Godzilla. And mm-hmm. Rodan actually gets the upper hand for a while there. Yeah. uses his speed and his agility to just kind of outmaneuver Godzilla for much of the fight. Um. Uh, speaking of beam wars, that does remind me that they added, they gave Mothra beam powers. Yes, and in, yeah, in, which that he, which is something that Mothra did not have prior. Every monster did not have in like the Heisei yeah. era that came back just got an un- arsenal of new weapons. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with like, well, when did Dragon Ball Z Ooh. become a thing? That, uh, was that well, the 90s, right? It was around the same Dragon, time. The Dragon in Ball. Japan, anyway. Yeah, the Dragon Ball series premiered in 80. 80- 30 years ago, he helped save mankind. He thought the horror was over. They never found any corpse. Prepare yourself. Your favorite fire breathing monster is back like you've never seen him before. The legend is reborn. In the all-new Godzilla 1985, starring Raymond Burr. Godzilla 1985, rated PG. Godzilla's hiding and it's up to you to find him. Just buy a medium or larger drink. If you find a Godzilla, use your decoder to reveal what you've won. Uh-oh. I think I need a bigger bulk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I'm an idiot. And I did not check to see how much space was left on the SD card that I'm recording on, and it cut off. So we lost about a half an hour's worth worth of um, conversation. Um, 
I apologize. <laughs> I hope we're going to do our best to wiggle back into this. Uh, but lucky you, this has turned into a two-part Godzilla, from a two-part Godzilla podcast into a three-part one. <laughs> Woo! Although the three-part, I'll probably, what I'll probably do is continue to release other ones. And the third part will probably be like a bonus, an extra episode or something. So, you know, so I'm not overloading with the Godzilla content. But anyway, uh, so where we left off, uh, we were talking about how God's about how uh, the Heisei era had turned into beam wars. Um, Pavlok, you had something to say about that. Yeah, I was almost wondering, you know, Aaron suggested maybe there was influence of Dragon Ball Z on the series. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's um, there's some credence to that. I also wonder if maybe it was Toho just overcompensating for the fact that most of their special effects were behind the times, especially behind the times in terms of Western blockbusters at that time. Um, so maybe they were just throwing these on there to kind of hide the fact that, you know, they were still using guys in suits, guys in, uh, sorry, uh, miniatures, um, model buildings and such just have as much flash as much light as possible on screen to hide that. Maybe the effects were already dated at this point. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I don't know. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm, sh I'm sure you, you might agree with part of that as well, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I always like, I ate that up as a kid. Yeah. Like I loved, I loved the bean stuff. I mean, we were pretty into Dragon Ball Z at that point. So yes. it like that. I think that's why I make that connection is, yeah. Uh, I was like, Oh God, this is Godzilla now. Like, yeah. Are they going to, are the beams going to connect, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. But I, I thought it was very cool as a kid. Absolutely. I, I mean, I agree with you. I was definitely that kind of a kid, too. Dragon Ball Z was just everything to us back then. So Godzilla fit that very fit that mold very well for us. And You know, one, yeah. one thing that I was thinking about, too, that they do in the Heisei era, I'm not sure if they continue it in the millennium, but, like, when monsters like hit each other there's sparks that fly out yes. yeah you're right yeah, yeah and i don't know i mean i think that's probably another thing that they i don't know if they use it to cover up anything or I'm, I'm not totally sure why they chose that i mean that's another thing that i i thought was cool watching them yeah i but, mean part of it just might be that it looks cool Honestly, yeah. like it, it just looks cool. Yeah, it's to like the sparks yeah. flying. It's like Godzilla smacks Rodan with his tail. And it's just boom, blast mm. of light and sparks. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. they definitely up the pyrotechnics game yep. in the Heisei era. There's just they explosions did. everywhere in those movies. Um, yeah. Another thing that we were talking about before, uh, you know, uh, we lost everything. Um, we were talking about uh, the uh, progression of baby Godzilla throughout the next three films. So you have Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two, um, which we were able to touch on briefly before, before the cutout uh, space Godzilla and destroy all feature um, a, a little Godzilla. And you get to see that creature grow up throughout those three movies. Um, we, uh, we like, we, we, we mentioned that we like uh, baby Godzilla and uh, the Godzilla, the like Godzilla Junior out of uh, Godzilla vs. Destroya, but uh, Space Godzilla is uh, something. I got no problem with little Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, thought it was adorable. Yeah, I I think I felt that at the time, but now that I look at it, just like wow, you are out of place. Like yeah. it's chibi. Yeah, it, <laughs> they were going for the chibi anime yeah. style. I'm cool with it. I don't know. Just like man, 
you belong in an amusement park, not in a not in a Godzilla movie. It belongs in a Sailor Moon episode. <laughs> yeah, oh lord, he does it. Oh but man. By the name of the moon, Godzilla Jr., I punish you. Um are you saying like what what is what is little well, Godzilla's think... attack? Oh, his little bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that are effective to what degree exactly? Um, killing tiny insects. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry, you were about to say something when I mentioned when I mentioned that. Oh, um well I think Baby Godzilla was done very well in Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla two. Yeah. I think that I, I really enjoyed that one. I mean, he was kind of a big part of the story. He had this connection with Rodan and like mm-hmm. he always kind of signaled whenever yeah. something was in danger because his eyes would turn red and yeah um little godzilla in, in godzilla versus space godzilla was more like like you gotta save him like he's not yeah. really in the movie he's you too, just have to he's they're trying dumb. to save him yeah 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 and even the guy like the guy who lived on the island in godzilla versus space godzilla with the bandana i forget his name yeah but he like He's kind of like learned to live with little Godzilla <laughs> and he, but he kind of refers to him uh, maybe lovingly yeah. as an idiot. <laughs> kind of, uh, kind of the way that like barnacle boy tolerates mermaid man. Uh, yes. <laughs> RIP Tim Conway. Yeah. Rest in peace, <laughs> yes, man. Um, yeah. He's with Ernest Borgnine again. That's right. That's right. Uh, powers unite. <laughs> what are these donuts? <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean that that's a very interesting thing that they do. Uh, Godzilla Junior definitely is really cool. I love that he's just um, and you were mentioning too that he even like fights a couple battles in in Destroya. Um, yeah, which does bring us to Destroya. That that is a really cool movie um, that I have not seen in a long time because Godzilla dies in it. And I don't like to watch Godzilla die. No, of course not. It's not fun. I teared up when I was 12, and I, I would tear up now again when I'm 28, probably. Yeah, yeah. I did. I legit cried the very first time I watched it. No, yeah. I did too. And I was, a, like, I was a tween. I wasn't, you yeah. know, I wasn't a kid, like, you know, a oh. little boy or anything anymore. Boy, the, the music for that is killer. Uh, uh, it, it gets you. It really gets you. But it does lead to an awesome final shot in the movie yeah of godzilla jr reborn yeah and then, you know appearing through the mist and the fog he's gonna become <sighs> the tri-star godzilla uh, uh. <laughs> which uh another thing that i mentioned is that that's why this this happened that's why they killed off godzilla is because tri-star because toho sold uh you know sold movie making rights to tri-star so they you know killed off godzilla they um they were able to use it as a big marketing push and you know Hey, what, come watch Godzilla die. That's, right. uh, people tune out. Yeah, people yeah. turn in for that. And, and then they, and they did. It made a good chunk of change um, for, uh, you know, for a Heisei or a Godzilla movie. A lot of them, especially into the 90s. Well, uh, Godzilla and Mothra made some made some uh, good returns. But from there on, it was di- it was diminishing. Yeah, Godzilla versus Mothra was one of the, one of, I think it's one of the highest grossing Godzilla films of the Toho movies, which is crazy. I've heard about. that before. I think yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. I, which you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't suspect watching it, you know? <laughs> yeah. There, it's not like, 
you know, it's a good movie, but there's yeah. nothing about it that you watch it that just screams, "Oh, this is going to be the biggest box office return of yeah. the franchise." Right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really leap out to you that that's the case, but yeah. So I was happy that they like made a new monster though for the last one. Yeah, just, oh. uh, that's another thing that got cut out is how cool Destroya is. Yeah, Destroya's awesome. He's blood red and he's ferocious and mean and literally the devil. Yes, yes. He, um, his powers are terrifying. He has like that. You're saying that beam sword that like slices into Godzilla. Yeah, the beam horn. Yeah, and um, his like oxygen destroyer breath, which like suffocates. You know, which is also terrifying not uh, to mention he has about four different forms right yeah oh, great now watch what's gonna happen this is gonna cut out because we're gonna lose power in here or something ah. <laughs> Ugh. Um, he like he in his flying form he like hooks godzilla jr by the neck with his tail and like drags him across the city <laughs> the adult form does that to godzilla too Oh, maybe that's what. I'm yeah, thinking. yeah. I think yeah. I think it's just the adult form that does that because okay, Godzilla Junior yeah. shoots down the flying form pretty quick before it turns into the big like aggregate form, okay, the, okay. the crab one. Yeah, and another movie that like that Godzilla versus Destroya. It's another like homage or inspiration or something from another American movie is Alien or Outright Theft. <laughs> tomato tomato when he's like one of the main characters is trapped in a car and one of like the the human sized destroyers is like trying to break into the car and it kind of sticks its head in and then out of its mouth comes a tiny like little mouth and it like chomps at her for a second just like the xenomorphs yeah yeah it's uh that's uh, a little obvious. <laughs> it's a little obvious. But again, I didn't know at the time. Sure. Like, I like I saw that movie first before I ever saw Alien. Yep. Yeah. I I saw um I, I'm pretty sure I saw Godzilla and Mothra before I ever saw an Indiana Jones movie. Oh for sure. Um yeah. I definitely saw Godzilla versus King Ghidorah before I ever saw Back to the Future or Terminator. Yeah. Um I saw Godzilla versus Biolanti before I ever saw Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, oh, definitely, ah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still haven't seen the full movie. I've only ever caught caught it when it was on cable. Oh, it's um, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Moranis, pretty cool, pretty cool guy. Oh yeah. Um, and also Audrey Two is voiced by Levi Stubbs, in like one of the great acting performances. Okay, so Godzilla vs. Destroya, Toho ends it. Ends their, ends their Godzilla series because they're like, there's going to be a new one because we sold the rights to TriStar in hopes that Godzilla will get a wider audience. You know, Hollywood movies are released everywhere. Japanese movies rarely get get a look-see outside of Japan unless it's Godzilla or a Ghibli film or Akira. <laughs> like, uh-huh. You know, that's kind of it. And uh, so, yeah, that um they try to shop it around uh to different people tristar does pick it up tristar then goes on a quest to figure out okay who can make this american version they go first to a guy named jean de bont who produces a screenplay called uh who, who throws up a screenplay godzilla versus the griffin 
and he gives us some uh, concept designs of what Godzilla looks like and who he is. Um, awesome design. This by is a the great way. design. You can look it up online. You can Google it. Just look up like, uh, just look up like Godzilla versus the Griffin, yeah. and it'll show up. Help made by Stan Winston. Help made by Stan Winston, who uh, you were saying he did work on Jurassic Park, Alien, um, Alien. Worked uh-huh. with James Cameron a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a good design. It, the skin's a little bit more reptilian. Than it is sort of the uh, radiation scarred skin of the Toho version, but it's still very recognizably Godzilla. Definitely. But uh, Jan de Bont said, uh, "Okay, if I'm going to make this, it's going to be uh, 140 million dollars," which in those days was a lot of money. Today, it's still kind of it's still a, yeah, a chunk of change. That's a big you know? budget even today. That's still a big budget. Back then, that's enormous. Yeah. And back then, it was unheard of to spend that much money on a movie. And uh, TriStar balked at that. They said, absolutely not. <laughs> we will not be doing that. And they went, shopped it around. They went for the first time to, to uh, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, who turned it down because they said, Godzilla's cheesy and he sucks. I don't. We don't want to make that. Oh, the irony yeah, of that. I know. Um, they didn't like Godzilla. It's just the the idea, um, the very idea. Uh, so they go around. No one else wants to do it. They go back to Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin and say, "Please, will you make this?" And they say, "Well, fine. We'll do it for ninety million." Uh, and they get the go ahead. So they start working on it. And, uh, you know, these are people who don't like Godzilla. They want to make it different. They want to try similar. I mean, think about like, um, here's a good analogy. Think about, uh, the way Batman was perceived pre Tim Burton movie. Uh, Batman was seen as Adam West to the majority of people. They were comic book fans, of course, you know, who, you know, had read like the Dark Knight Returns or or even other works, honestly, up to that point. Um, Batman had already gotten grittier, grittier by the 70s, but uh, most people didn't know that. Most people knew Adam West, Biff Bang Pow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but the 89 movie really changed that perception. It went a long way to say like, no, Batman is not this goofy um, trope. He's a... Yeah, you know he's he's a gritty it's a gritty uh, detective thing, um, and so they were hoping the same thing would happen with Godzilla. Their design is uh, not very Godzilla-ish in my mind. He is an overgrown iguana with big old rock spikes and um, a a chiseled jaw, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he's very agile and he runs around. Um, and he doesn't really breathe atomic fire or he doesn't, he doesn't breathe atomic rays and, uh, he's felled by a couple of missiles. <laughs> um, but, uh, when they went to reveal this, they went out to Toho and they, they brought their, uh, you know, their design to show the suits and they had it, they had their, uh, their little statuette under a drape and they give their presentation, they're hyping this, they're building it up. And at the very end, they lift off that drape, and the executives at Toho just kind of look at it for about two minutes without saying anything. Dead silence, huh? Dead silence. Oh, God. And uh, 
Then someone says, just he just he's very honest. He just says, uh, "It's it's really different. Um, we need to think about this." <laughs> so they waited overnight, and uh, the next day, Toho gave him the go ahead. Probably just out of desperation, you think? Yeah, right? they just they really really wanted to have get into the west into the mainstream yes and like they saw this as hey this is our chance or else and they and they had tried and failed so many times right. to get it going and the fact that that this project was even this far ahead was at at, at a further place than they had with any other proposed project right and just gotta uh, run with it at that point just gotta run with it and you know they kind of have the ideas like well maybe it's just crazy enough to work maybe it'll you know Maybe Americans will see Godzilla the way that we see him now, finally. Um, and the movie uh, is not that good. No, not at all. <laughs> it's not that good. Uh, the CG is not very good, as we stated in a previous podcast. Um, Godzilla kind of, uh, he, well, he's obscured in a lot of rain, you know, to, to, to try to mask the CG's not that great. When you do finally see Godzilla's dumb babies um, that are basically uh, Jurassic Park raptors, when they finally get to that scene in the, in the Madison, Madison Square Garden, they don't uh, they don't look like they belong in the same shot. They look like they're floating in midair. You know, like they just they don't it doesn't work. It doesn't composite. I was watching it with Zelinsky, a few Seth Zelinsky, a previous guest, and good friend of mine we were watching it a few years ago and we were just amazed at how poorly the cgi had aged yeah especially too when you go back and look at jurassic park where the effects are still really good and they hold up yeah the cgi in that is still fantastic it's still good and they balance it with good practical effects too so it, it all works together cohesively that is not the case with godzilla it looks bad uh and it looks rushed um I don't like the design of Godzilla in that movie. I really don't. Um, I he doesn't really have much of a personality. I think and everybody the the whole human cast is completely miscast. Matthew Broderick as a worm scientist, the worm guy, as he is called many times throughout the film. Nick uh, Tatopoulos. Nick Tatopoulos. Um much much cooler in the animated series. I, I bet. <laughs> I believe that. Honestly, that that seems to be the consensus of the '98 Godzilla. Is the only thing good that came out of it. The only good things that came out of it was we finally got the Heisei series on tape. Right. And uh, the cartoon series was actually pretty good. It was. So, <laughs> those are the two things you should get out of that. A lot of the cartoon episodes are actually on YouTube. I I uh, didn't really watch much of it, but I saw a couple clips here and there, and honestly, it's not so bad. They had a whole uh, Blu-ray or DVD collection come oh, did out they? recently, too. Oh, cool. I definitely recommend it. If you're a longtime kaiju fan, it's a fun show. Yeah, and he fights monsters, Yeah, there's some does not really do. cool fights and uh, other opponents yeah, and other kaiju and, in there. And you said earlier, too, they give him atomic breath in yes, that movie, too. Yes, it, and it's green. Yeah, so it's, which is cool. He's got his own hook, kind of. Like, like that's, a, that's a way more interesting way to redo quote-unquote Godzilla you right know? absolutely you know what I don't remember I, I guess I haven't watched the 98 Godzilla in a really long time yeah but I I don't remember the CGI being that bad but then again yeah. like I've seen bits of 
Independence Day, and that's pretty bad. Yeah. And it was around the same time, so it's it's really a thing. Like if you took out the rain, it would be just glaringly obvious. Like yeah. even really? with the rain obscuring the textures and that, you could still kind of tell that it's age. But if you take out those weather effects, it it would probably look like your like your average sci-fi special yeah, from like the Asylum productions. Yeah, absolutely. It, it looks like Megalodon versus right Croc Shark or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Um, shark to puss okay what's well, that without, without getting like too far into the millennium series does it like does it is it kind of like the cgi and like godzilla 2000 I or think godzilla it's, versus megaguirus it's better, I think it's than, better that. than that but <laughs> okay. um it still looks it still is pretty it's still it's still pretty bad okay um i think the only guy who is cast well is jean reno who uh, Jean Reno, who um, plays like a French military guy, wants to helping to take out Godzilla. Um, what about Maria Patillo? Yeah, she sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she won a Razzie for her role as a supporting actress in that movie. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, she's, <laughs> she uh, she just kind of, she's kind of shrill in the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what? She's, she's kind of a bimbo. Like, uh, like that's that's like the role. That's that's the trope that she plays. Honestly, she she plays that bimbo trope, and it's mm. annoying and it's frustrating and that's not what I want to see. You know? Um, yeah, like she really only cares about getting with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, it's like 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 that takes precedence over her journalism. Yes, <laughs> yes, and especially if like, I recall correctly. Especially, like, as in, like, the Toho movies, like, the, the women are having more and more agency as the movies go on. And then to see that is just like, right. come on. Like, and, it, you know, it, it did okay in the box office. They promoted the crap out of it. Right. No, they the hype was good. Yeah. The build-up to it was definitely good. And you know why mm-hmm. they focused so much on it? This is something I read in the, the David Collot book. What's that? Is that um, when they did preview showings... For the executives, they're like, "Oh no, this movie sucks." Um, okay, here's the here's the deal. So this is what they said. All right, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to advertise the ever loving crap out of it and get as many people into that first weekend as possible. Right. And if we can get a good enough first weekend, then it'll save us from losing our shirts. So that's what they did. Is they uh, they bolstered the crap out of it in advertising, yeah. and it. I mean it mostly worked i they didn't you know i think um they made something like four and a half million on it which i mean they made their money back a little bit but it's not and and four and a half million it's a lot of money but when you but for a movie that you put 200 million into you really hope to you hope to do much better than that yeah you know i mean if you put 200 in, you hope to at least triple what you what you put into it. They wanted this to be the next Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or Titanic, sure. even. I mean, well, they, everybody, every, people still want to be Titanic. Right, but, right, right. But no, that's what, they, that's yeah. what they were aiming for, and right. it, it came up way short. Yes. Um, and it was disappointing for the studio. And something, but, you know, I think that we, we got some good things out of it, honestly. Uh, the Heisei era movies finally came out on tape here. And I think it gave people 
an appreciation for the older Godzilla movies. Definitely. I think it did. I, I think because um, the 98 Godzilla movie was, was sort of made on the predilection. Am I using that word right? Predilection? I think so. Yeah, it was it was made on on the predilection that um, people think Godzilla's too cheesy and uh, and the dubbing sucks and that they don't take it seriously enough and blah 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 blah. Um, so we're gonna make it everything that that's not, and that they turned out to be wrong. It turns out, hey, wait a minute, we actually do like like God's the guy in the suit and the and the the big lumbering brute, you know, who wasn't destroyed by anything and. Yeah, that was kind of a, a neat. I mean, if anything else, it got us that it re, it re, rehabilitated Godzilla, just not in the way that that they were hoping it would. Yeah, yeah. and I think you know you were saying earlier, you know, there's no in the '98 Godzilla, there's no uh, like message behind why he's there. Yes, like there's right. no. Um, there's 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 no message about uh, using nuclear energy, mm-hmm. even though like I mean you get those images of mushroom clouds in the very beginning, like right. cut with like iguana footage. Yeah, <laughs> right. And right. But that's it. And the that's old man it. saying, "Kojira." Yeah, Kojira. like it's 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 purely circumstantial. It's not. Uh, yeah, right, right, exactly. It's it's yeah. just the excuse that they made up so that Godzilla can be present. Right. Um and they don't do anything else about about it. Um Right. There's like sort of if I'm remembering correctly, I think like there's some kind of like a save the wildlife kind of message in there somewhere. Um but they don't really expound upon Nick Tatopoulos probably says something at some point in the movie i'm just not remembering very well well it's sad when godzilla dies i mean he there's like a moment that he and nick have right for why i don't know it's just like i guess sort of this they're, they're trying to tap into like how dr yamani feels and in, in the original godzilla movie but it's just not there it's not the same it's kind of like for him it's like uh oh man i spoiled my petri dish instead of instead of like here is a unique opportunity to learn more about the world, the world and ourselves that we've lost forever for no reason. Right. Um, yeah. The pathos just isn't the same. Godzilla kind of, uh, Toho is like, man, screw this. We're just going to go back to making our own movies again. <laughs> like, and that's what really what birthed Godzilla 2000 was just like, well, forget it. Although there were plans to do like Godzilla two for a while. Yeah. Um, there were, it was in talks. I mean, at the very end of, of the 98 Godzilla, you know, it zooms in on an egg that's still under Madison Square Garden that may or may not be another Godzilla. Um, that obviously does not come to be. Is that still part of the like the DVD and Blu-ray? Like, did they keep that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, the, that's the ending to the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And then that becomes the Godzilla in the animated series. Right. Oh, okay. It's making sense now. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's not. Um, yeah, and it's just not a very good movie. It's not a great Godzilla movie. I mean, look, you can always. I mean, you can level a lot of criticisms towards the old Godzilla movies. It's very easy to do, to be honest. Um, but, I mean, for those of us who are, fa- I mean, like, you're either a fan of those movies or you're not. You know, like. 
we're not going to pretend that they're for everybody. <laughs> I don't think they are. Uh, it takes a very special kind of person to kind of get in to really get into Godzilla movies. Um, and that's okay. You know, if you don't have to be on board, that's cool. You know, what we saw on screen just wasn't Godzilla. He was killed so easily. Um, it's like the military is very triumphant, which is not a theme in the old Godzilla movies at all. The The theme in the old Godzilla movies is uh, the military is impotent against Godzilla. Like they can't do a thing about it. It just happens. And, and all we can do is, you know, I mean, some of the Godzilla movies is just all we can do is hope he goes away. Maybe this time he'll just go away. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, they, they, they just don't get it. Um, Have you ever heard of the, uh, the acronym Gino? Mm hmm. For that Godzilla, Godzilla in name only. <laughs> yeah, it's fitting. It um, is. I mean, on, I mean, I think it works better as a remake of the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. If you think about it that way. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but yeah. without the charm of the Ray Harryhausen right. effects, <laughs> like that's what makes that movie cool. If you didn't have the Ray Harryhausen effects, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms wouldn't be as cool. And Godzilla, just the effects just are just not charming. They're not interesting. Godzilla's not a... He's kind of ugly and misshapen. and I mean, he kind of has a silhouette, you know, but it's not a very compelling one. I actually want to end that discussion with the American Godzilla with a passage from the, the David Collat book, because I think there, he goes into just a little paragraph and says just the difficulty in Americans making a Godzilla film. And I think uh, he's very eloquent and, succ- and succinct about, and, drive- and drives the point home about just the difference in culture and perspective that American culture at large lacks. So David Collot writes, The Japanese makers of Godzilla deliberately used their film to address Japanese fears and memories of nuclear war. As the only country in history to have experienced nuclear war firsthand, Japan's perspective on such issues naturally differed from the United States's. Japan's filmmakers worked in a country that did not manufacture, purchase, or test nuclear weapons. They made films for audiences living in a country whose military existed for the sole purpose of defending Japan from hostile outside forces. American filmmakers and American moviegoers, though, lived in a society that did manufacture, stockpile, and test nuclear weapons as a proactive defense against foreign enemies. The American culture that believed in a moral imperative to act actively defend its national interests with nuclear weapons was fundamentally at odds with the very attitudes Ishiro Hondo wanted Godzilla to symbolize. And I think that that nails it, you know? <laughs> Um, absolutely and I think that's something that only recently with the recent Godzilla movies that have been made or the one that, I've, that we, we've all seen anyways at this point in the recording um, they seem to understand to a degree like oh Godzilla is our fault or Godzilla is because of of gross horrific hubris Um <clears throat> And I think it took a long time for America to catch up with that idea. Whereas Japan had it 60 years ago, you know? So, yeah. 
The 98 Godzilla movie sucks because they don't understand Godzilla and what it represents. These new ones don't seem to suck as much because they get it a little better. <laughs> um, you know, it's still there's still something about being a Japanese citizen and living and and growing up in the only country that was ever bombed by a nuclear attack. Um, that colors up your perspective perspective in, in a unique way that no one else in the world can have. And you can't, as an American, we just are incapable of bringing that fully, but we can do our best to empathize. And I think that's what these new Godzilla movies get and understand is that, you know, we may not have experienced it, but we can do our best to empathize with it and, and try to understand it. Yeah. So. I think there's a lot that goes into like why, we're able to make an effective one now, but we can get into that on the next one. Yeah. So yeah, because, um, this got cut off, uh, kind of an annoying cut off, but you know, whatever, what are you going to do? We're going to end it here. We're going to do a part three later on. I hope to do it as sort of a bonus podcast so that, uh, I won't be just uh, flooding, you know, so this won't just become the, uh, <laughs> the memory machine presents Godzilla, the podcast. Um, <laughs> As much as I know Jeff and Aaron would love that concept, um, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we'll do a, like a bonus Patreon podcast or something where we go through every Godzilla movie. I don't know. Just throw it spitballing. Spitballing. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with uh, the technical difficulties. I really appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Lockhart. You can find me on Instagram at Nathaniel.Lockhart. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you know what I think about this new movie when I finally see it on June 1st. Jeff, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey Pavs and Instagram, Jeff Pavlock. Very good, very good. Aaron? Um, I'm on Instagram at Banjo Phony. That's a P-H phony. Uh, no, it's B-A-N-J-O-P-H-O-N-Y. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm on SoundCloud as oh, yeah. Aaron C. Lockhart. There you go. There you go. That's H-A-R-T, not H-E-A-R-T. Right. And uh, and on Twitter, you're at? Um, I'm at nowhere because I don't use Twitter. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. You should, Aaron. It's fun. You know, we, I know. We get... I feel like it's a podcast fail. <laughs> <laughs> not get, you, Twitter. Twitter's great. You get to see the world burn to a crisp in real time. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway so thanks thanks again for listening we'll be back in a uh, in a couple of weeks we love you bye <laughs>